Kia ora Aotearoa and welcome to Generally Famous, a stuff podcast. I'm Simon Bridges and every week I talk to a generally famous but always interesting guest about life, love and what makes them tick. Today's guest, someone who was once on our TV screens every day for years, is now a successful lawyer and a celebrity Treasure Island contestant. Welcome, Blair Strang. Oh, kia ora and uh, kia ora to the audience. Uh, thank you for inviting me on, uh, Simon. It's a pleasure to be here. Hey, it's really great to have you on and um, I mean... Let's deal with the not the elephant in the room, but the you know the big thing that is is maybe still in people's consciousness. I mean, you were big on Shortland Street as uh, ambulance driver Rangi uh, Hidemaya for several years, nineteen ninety five to two thousand and one. I think I'm right to say. Um, and I want to talk to to about that. But actually, 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 your first big break, which I must confess I don't remember you on because you weren't famous then. Um, was the Billy T show? Yeah, it was my it was my first uh, TV appearance. I was um, eighteen years of age, and if you ever want to see the worst acting ever, go and watch that. But uh, I just came off musicals, and I didn't know what TV acting was about. But um, and it was through that musical that I met Alona Rogers, who was very big back then. She was one of the lead cast in Gloss, and she was on the sitcom, the Billy T James show, and she. Um, I said, look, I want to be an actor, and which was another story because my mother wanted me to be a lawyer and she was like, there's no way you're going to be an actor. Anyway, Alona got me into it. She said, well, we've got a role for you on the Billy T. James show. That's how easy it was back then. And I got to meet Billy. He was just larger than life. He kind of freaked me out, actually, because when they called, because it was a live audience back then. So you'd come on, live audience, and uh, then, he would, um, then he was larger than life. But the highlight was at the rap party, uh, we did a duet together with this band and that was that was pretty cool. You got a good soulful voice? Uh, I wouldn't say soulful. It's more in the lines of probably uh, the Backstreet Boys. So, um, you know, in that sort of that sort of vein, I wouldn't say I'm a soul yep. brother. More, more kind of the, um, more, more kind of mainstream. Love Elvis, of course. So, um, yeah. And as you say, I mean, you, you were there with really, I mean, some of our big actors, Yona Rogers, Mark Hadlow, and, and the late, great um, Billy T. And one of the things I saw in one of the things you, you'd done, I, I can't remember what the interview was, a, a, probably a fair while back, but he was, Billy T, that is, quite, um, this is not unusual, or not uncommon, I should say, but he was larger than life in front of the audience, but as a, as a figure behind the screen, he was, you know, quiet, polite, shy even. Have I got that right? No, absolutely correct. That was my experience of him. Um, very shy man. You wouldn't even know he was there behind the scenes. <clears throat> um, in fact, Mark Hadlow, you can imagine, he was larger than life <clears throat> in front of the camera and behind. Um, and uh, Mark Wright, Alona Rogers, big personalities. Uh, but, uh, but just before I went on... Um, uh, to, to film, uh, he just simply looked at me and he said, um, you know, go well, bro. That's all he said. And he was very quiet. He was just sitting there. And I thought, geez, that's, that's Billy T. Anyway, it's very common amongst creatives, particularly actors, because they, when they come to life, they come to life through their character. It is them anyway, but they feel more comfortable doing it. Yes. <clears throat> yeah, he's one of those. And actually for you, I mean, just what's your, um, what's your personality? Because you're talking about... Um, which is pretty, I would have thought, is more intimidating than just doing a show without an audience. You're there with a live audience. Were you, um, and I, don't be modest, were you good at that? I mean, was that something you felt you, you, you were natural at, or was that a, a culture shock? 
no, no, live audience was my thing. I've been doing theatre, musicals, musicals are my thing um, up until that point. That's yep. when you see me on, on this particular show. Um, my acting was quite big. It was too big, actually, um, because theatre acting and musical acting, you tend to be bigger and you forget that a camera's yep. right in front of you. You don't need to be. But, no, I love live audiences. That was that was my thing. I, <clears throat> I found it hard to begin with to go to camera uh, and intimate auditions because it auditions are quite sterile you know what i mean so you don't have an audience at all and i found that quite difficult to begin with yeah but no live audience was loved it yeah uh, to state the obvious and you you're saying this but you know in front of a live audience theater you're bigger you're acting bigger you know that tv movie thing is 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 a smaller more sort of sort of um maybe not the right word but nuanced thing well the camera's right on your face so they can see everything so unless you are playing a big role which the character demands, then it, you you look like you're overacting, like you're overdoing it. So you've got to be aware of that. When I first went onto Shawna Street, I was, my eyes were everywhere. I was blinking too much. I just, my first viewing, I thought, oh God, I'm going to be fired. I think I was watching it with Angela Dodgson, who played Kirsty Knights at the time. And she said, no, it's okay. Just remember the camera's right on you. So you've got to be, you got to be a bit more subtle with your approach. The intention is the same. So you're t still telling a story as such, but it's just the technique changes. You were actually uh, at law school when a three-month contract came up. Run me through that. Yeah, um, I was three years in, actually. I got into law school. I'd done about two years, I think. Um, I was just doing straight law. Uh, and I, I had been auditioning for Shauna Street for about a year, and I hadn't told my mother. My mother's a is a... Um, a big advocate with education because she's a school teacher and, and very staunch Māori <clears throat> from the north. And so she, um, she thought this acting gig was a waste of time, really. And I was doing amateur theatre. I got myself an agent and he got me an extra role on Once Were Warriors. And um, uh, I turned up to one of the scenes for Once Were Warriors and it was Boogie being um, outside the court. Boogie was um, being processed and going through the court. Every, but basically everyone who was brown had to turn up because they'd wear black gear and they were going to be outside basically in gang gear or rough gear. But they they took one look at me and they said, no, you're not going to get away with that with you. So they put me uh, in a in a suit and, and tie and, and said, look, you're going to be the, the registrar. And I said, to the, I said, what do you mean? I said, oh, you're the court registrar. So you're going to be in the courtroom scene later in the day. And so I sat down with all the extras and you can imagine there's some big lads in there with, you know, the mokos and gang stuff and all the paraphernalia. And I'm pretty much the only brown face apart from George Hennady <clears throat> in a suit. Anyway, uh, I had to wait till the end of the day and we did our scene. And if you see the boogie scene, there's a shot of me. I look very young uh, with Ian Mune. And then someone approached me there and said, look, we'd like you to come down on a, an audition for Shaw Street. So I auditioned for a whole year, <clears throat> um, doing various things, workshops, various other things. I'd go to workshops with the young cast, they never had a role. And then eventually they said to me, we've got a role for you, but it's only a three-month contract, it's a trial. Now, back in those days, um, uh, at law school, I think it's the same. I think No, I think there's semesters. All the papers were a year long, <clears throat> right? They were a year long. You didn't have semesters then. So, yeah, I got a three-month contract, quit law school, <clears throat> you know, nearly finished. Well, halfway through, over halfway, and, and then I had to go. Then I had to approach my mother on that one, 
and that didn't that didn't that didn't go down too well. So yeah, I, I basically quit law school on a three month contract, gave it a go, and yeah, there was they, they brought in a whole lot of new actors, and um, we all had three month contracts, so it was a bit of a gamble. But you got to back yourself, I guess. Absolutely, and it all worked out well. And your, your mother though, she your mother's Maori, she, she was Father Pakiha, I think I'm right. She was unimpressed. Yeah, she was very unimpressed. She was like, I feel like I. She was like, what have you done? Yeah, so um, it was funny. So she was um, she was deputy principal of a primary school called Glen Bray, and we lived in St Heliers, and she lived in. Uh, oh, she was working in Glenness, and it was a long driveway that comes down to our house in St Heliers, and she used to drive this little white Honda Accord, and I swear she probably broke um, a few um, uh, speed limits just going down that driveway because I rang the school. I didn't have the guts to talk to her in person. I just left a message said, "Look, I'm leaving law school, and I'm I'm, leave, I'm I've got this acting gig on a show called Shortland Street." <laughs> anyway, <clears throat> she walks up the stairs. I'm standing there. I can see her walking in. It was almost like a scene from Darth Vader walking in. To be fair, um, and um, <laughs> I'm being mean. My mother, I am your mother. <laughs> yeah, she, I'm being mean. She's awesome, but yeah, she was she was pretty tough. And she said, just quietly, you know, you know, when you're in trouble, and she said. What have you done? And I said, what do you mean? She said, what have you done? And she said, have you quit law school? And I said, yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> I said, uh, um, what for? And I said, oh, it's a show called Shortland Street. And she goes, what's the show about? And I said, um, it's a medical drama. Oh, couldn't have a heart to tell her it was a soap. <laughs> so <I> said, <laughs> and she said, what? And I said, and what are you playing? She said, what are you playing? And I said, I play... An ambulance officer. She said, what are you talking about? You don't know anything about being an ambulance officer. And I said, I said, I know that, mum. It's called acting. And I said, I think they take <laughs> I think they take you out for a day on the ambulance, you know, so I think I'll be sweet. And she goes, that's ridiculous. And then she said to me, she said, and, and, and what name have they given you? And I said, um, Rangi. And she said, what? And she said, who gave you that stupid name? And I said to look, it's the, it's the name. <laughs> I said, it's, Anyway, yeah, and she, but she was fine about uh, a year later when I, you know, I'd, I'd been on there for a year and, and uh, you know, things had changed and it was a little bit different and, you know, she would stand there at the shops and say, yeah, my son's on Shortland Street. <laughs> so it, 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 did, it did change. But even now she, she thinks acting is a, <clears throat> a silly profession. She, she wanted me to... Um, she wanted me to be a lawyer, and actually, <clears throat> that's what it was her aim for me. But. Yeah, yeah. Look, well, I, there's a lot of resonance here. My my father bullied me into law, so don't worry about that. And I, you know, unlike you, I did, wasn't strong enough to do something else for a while, and did law for a few years. Um, the other thing that's fascinating, my my my, this is a true story. Um, my father, who's now passed away, his name is Heath Heath Bridges, but he um, his father wanted to call him Rangi. And uh, his Māori mother begged him not to be, that he wasn't called that. So, you know, I think there's a, I don't know, it's a, it's a funny old thing, isn't it? I think it was a generational thing, to be honest with you, Simon. I think what happened is that Māori back, and especially through my mother's generation, and she's 88 now, <clears throat> so she's a World War Two, you know, child. Uh, so born before World War Two and a child through that. Yes. They were so desperate to, to be... European, and they passed that on to the next generation, and so Maori names were, you know, looked upon as probably not the way to go because they were so keen on going the European way. I mean, that's that's some Maori, of course, not all, but it was certainly um, um, 
It was certainly present in, in, um, in my family. No, very, very similar for me, Blair. And um, but, but unlike you, I wasn't I wasn't head prefect at St Kendigans. I was I was head prefect, but it was Rutherford High School yeah. in West Auckland. So there you go. It doesn't matter, man. You, Not quite as good. No, no, it doesn't matter. You wore the HP. We're we're of the um, um, we're cut from the same cloth. We we, <laughs> we did it, man. Doesn't matter. No, congratulations. I knew that actually. I heard that. Uh, maybe I read that about you, but um, yeah, well done, congratulations. We deserve a pat, pat on the back. Oh yeah, well, like, well, I like to say it didn't do me any harm, but it probably, it probably did. How did you enjoy being on Shortland Street for for several years, Blair? Well, it was certainly a life changing experience. Yeah, yeah, I bet for a lot of reasons. I guess in terms of the uh, acting, uh, it was an opportunity, an amazing opportunity to learn what it was like, what to get experience in terms of television and fast turnaround uh, performance. Like uh, you would turn up, I mean, you know, and you'd be yep. doing anything from, you know, eight to potentially, well, some on a big day, maybe 30 scenes a day. You know, it was it was huge. Mm. Um, and it was, mm. um, so you learned real quick uh, to get the story right, to make sure that, um, uh, that you are, that your, that your character's three-dimensional, <clears throat> meaning that you're interesting for the viewers to watch. Uh, and uh, and that also too, you having fun at the same time. So that was great in that regard. So it, especially coming from musicals, jumping into that, it was really good to kind of keep, uh, bring the performance down to make it that kind of subtle performance which you need for television. That was great. Had a wonderful cast. I was working with people like um, Robbie Malcolm, Tim Wood and Morrison. Yep. Uh, that's who I started with. You know, Tim was hilarious. Uh, Robbie Malcolm, Peter Elliott, um, and, and other fabulous actors. So that was a wonderful experience. Got to travel overseas pub, uh, publicity-wise. Um, and, of course, there was the experience of fame for the first time. And uh, back in those days, there was no internet. It was us, Paul Holmes, and whatever was playing on TV3. So, yes. so And, you know, we were in quite a fierce rivalry with Paul. He, he was very competitive. We'd go to the... Uh, TV awards and he'd just come up, he'd walk up to us and, you know, I'd have a cigarette or whatever and a drink and he said, your ratings are pretty good, but I think I might get you this week, you know, so <laughs> he, was, he was a character, but that's all he was. So you were effectively in people's homes while people are making dinner, you know, and uh, they're sitting down, you know, everywhere you went in New Zealand, you, you knew that that was happening and you knew that you were in their, their living rooms that time because you, you would receive it negative and positive, but you would certainly, it was present. And when you're a young man, <laughs> um, you know, yeah. sometimes those, uh, that it can be fun, but it also can provide a couple of challenges as well. Yes. And, and how did you, I mean, on that, as you say, it's the heyday of television. We, we're not all kind of d- glued to our phones at that point and, um, and things. How did you deal with the fame? I mean, I, I don't have any reason to think you were bad at it, but but were you? Um, did you deal with it well, or you know, was it a real struggle for you? What? No, look, I I've got to be honest. Um, uh, a part of me really embraced it. You know, I, I I enjoyed it, and I probably enjoyed it too much at times. Yep. Yeah, it became uh, a challenge for my ego, I think, and particularly as when you're young, um, and. Um, uh, and you and you those challenges turn into experiences which sometimes don't go your way and it's good to have people around you who can keep you pretty level friends and family and also you know your peers particularly the older ones as you grow grow older um, it 
you don't seem to care about it as much. Although, you know, it goes away. Shauna Street was is, but it, it kind of hasn't really gone away. Yeah, like there, like it's still there for me. Like, um, uh, it, it may not be as um in your face as it once was, but it's still there. For example, I play in a golden oldies rugby team, the the men in kilts Waipu side. Right. And and we had a tournament about three or four weeks ago and it was great. I invited Shane Cortez to come play. He was playing right. Full, I was playing at fullback and I was playing at second five and I was put I put him back at fullback. I was a bit worried about how he'd go actually and I thought we better make sure we can protect him. But he, he was great. Anyway, uh, we were still you know, we were still getting it from you know from the uh, the opposing side and we're still getting it from the sideline. I thought, geez, that show, you know, it was um it really left an imprint in people's minds, particularly if you were on around that time, I think, and people were watching. And so what's all the more amazing about that and your sort of, you know, I think candid but understandable sense, you know, you you actually enjoyed it, you embraced it, you're a young guy, there's a lot of good things that go with, you know, cool things that go with being famous and, you know, household name and recognised everywhere you go. What's amazing about that to me is you nevertheless, and you could have just kept it going, um, you didn't need to to sort of come off or move out or stop doing, and I know you did, still did to do, do TV, you know, from time to time. You didn't need to stop it, but you decided you'd go back to law school after six years. What was that about? Was that mum saying you don't be a loser, son? It's time. I mean, not that she. I don't know how she could have because you were famous and you were earning good money. But what 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 was that about? It was a bit of that, to be honest. Right. <laughs> uh, I mean, it was. But I, um, <clears throat> you know, I. I, I do believe in education and um, it always, it was something that I thought that um, I needed to complete. I actually had no, um, I had no intention of practicing law actually. I just right. wanted to, I just wanted to complete it. I was still keen on going back into um, uh, television, acting, uh, potentially producing and those sorts of things. But um, uh, I just, I just had to complete it and I wanted to have a degree. I thought it was important to have that. Um, and I'd started it, so I thought I'd start what I, I finished what I started, uh, and then I um, I landed a job as the Pofina Maori, the the Maori coordinator at the University of Auckland Law School, and, right? And um, and I was doing a bit of tutoring, and I, I was there for about three years actually. And I loved it, and it was it was there that I decided um, I'm going to go out and practice. So I. I for ages, I said I was never going to be a lawyer. You go through these clerkships, right? Yes. And you get interviewed. You know, right? <clears throat> You've been through it. And, um, you know, I had a couple of interviews and I, I landed um, a clerkship with Balgully. And look, Balgully were fantastic. They were they were, they were were very accommodating. Um, I, I had a wonderful time there. I, I just was too young. The corporate law side of things didn't really appeal to me. You know, I, I didn't care really if telecom merged with Vodafone. It didn't really interest me. You know, like the, the issues that we were dealing with, the, I, I couldn't understand. You know, I was just, it was too, it, there was not, nothing personal about it. You know what I mean? So it kind of, even though it suited some people, uh, some law students, I, it didn't suit my the way my mind worked. I need, you know, law for me had to be dealing with people. Uh, and I, you know, clerkships at a big firm, uh, doesn't do that first instance. So that was my first experience of it. I went, oh, I can never go back to that. So it wasn't until, you know, a little bit later where I kind of found out that there were other options. Yeah, and, and today, of course, we know you are, you know, successful 
a family a lawyer with your own um, practice and who who acts uh, and and continues to do that uh, you know I, my senses in a in a um, in a, from time to time um, I want to talk about that but something you said before I just want to sort of come back to I mean and that's that difference between theater and television how different are the two genres which do you prefer and why mm. <clears throat> I think if I'm going to be honest, I prefer television. Um, and it's not to say that I don't love the art of theatre. I'm about to go down and do a play at the end of the year. Um, and um, that's actually a play written by Michael Galvin, actually. It's it's about, mm. a, boy, it's about a boy band. Mm. <laughs> an ageing, if I got this right, an ageing boy band of sort of, um, that's right. not that this applies to you or me, Blair, but used up has-beens. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, that's it. It's absolutely right. But like it, um, but I prefer the subtlety of um, television performance. Um, I, I like the intimacy of the camera, and it's ironic given that when I first started, you know, I was doing musicals and a lot of theatre, um, uh, and I love that uh, genre and still do. But um, you know, there's something about being on set and making a scene work with the crew around you and they're calling action, you're going for it, and then they want to change things and the subtleties of that. Um, it's just, yeah, the the subtleties of television acting is uh, um, and, and film acting is what I is what, probably what I really enjoy. How interesting. And, and look, I mean, I, I haven't gone there at level, but you, you've done a lot of television, actually, and a bit of, you know, movie work and so on. Uh, we, we've, we've dwelt on Shortland Street. I mean... I'll ask you, I suppose, are there, are, there, are there another one or two or three you'd say, um, but I'm really proud of that work, that TV work or that bit of movie, that was that was sort of, um, forget Shortland Street, this is the one I really liked. Yeah, there was two actually. The the, the TV series that I did with Shane, um, Cortez, Nothing Trivial, that was weird. I'd never been with a cast that would just, you know, really like an A-team cast and they, they really were. Like it was Tandy Wright, Nicole Whippy. Debbie Newby Ward and, and we get lots of nice guesties. And it was it was a show that was about, you know, late 30 something, 40 somethings, which was was which what I was at the time. And uh and uh there was the the writers, we had some really amazing writers, and I, I thoroughly enjoyed that show. I was, I was you know, I was saddened that it, it finished early. Um uh, it was an interesting time, I think, for ratings, but that was one I was very proud of, and um we'll always look back on some very fond memories. Um I played a plumber on that one, by the way. Yeah, so <laughs> Brian King, he comes to fix your your drains, and and so he was, um, yeah, I, I yeah, he was a, he was a fun character to play, and he was finding his way in terms of his life as a solo man, and then and then and then finding love in this particular um, a relationship, and um, and what I didn't realize about that is that how popular quiz nights were actually. Right. We just I submitted so many bloody quiz nights, um, and. Uh, I, I had no idea, but it's 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 a real thing, and you know, off out of quiz nights, we've got the show, the chase, and wings. That's you know, it's big. The other show which I was kind of I was really proud of, it was a show that really didn't do. I don't know if it, it got a lot of exposure, but it was a cop drama called Interrogation. And I'd just been out of Shortland Street. I wasn't really getting any work because once you've been in Shortland Street, you've been overexposed. And the director rings me and says, "Look, this one guy doesn't want to play." Um, play this role, uh, are you up for it? And I said, yep. I said, what? And I said, hang on, how come you're not auditioning? Why am I, why are you giving this one to me? He goes, well, look, I'll tell you, you're playing a lawyer, another <laughs> lawyer, another lawyer, but you're going to be naked the whole th- whole way through. 
And I said, because I, I was still, you know, in the stage of my life where I really desperately wanted to be an actor and I wasn't focusing on, on the law so much. And I said, yeah, I'm up for it. Love it. Naked, naked lawyer and, um, <laughs> yeah. and uh, qu- quiz night. That's the one. <laughs> Prepare for an unfiltered journey through the harsh realities of infertility. My name's Nadine Higgins. I'm a broadcaster, a journalist, and I've been trying to make a baby with my husband. That's me. I'm Dan. And we reckon infertility is lonely enough without making it a dirty little secret. In The Human Race with Dan and Nadine Higgins, we share raw and unvarnished stories of couples who have faced the brutal truth of infertility. At least you've been in it. It's, it's really tough and really lonely. Yeah, and also, this is really weird, but baby showers, you don't need to open the presents in front of everyone. Confronting the harsh reality that not every story has a happy ending. This very blunt, abrasive doctor who I had, you know, had not seen before, who delivered the news, just like, you'll probably never have a natural period again and you'll probably never have a baby. The Human Race, where we share the untold stories of couples in the race of their lives to create a life. I feel like I nearly missed out and I got to do it. And so I feel really lucky. So it's been incredibly positive. Listen today at stuff.co.nz slash the human race or wherever you get your podcasts. The Human Race is proudly brought to you by Elevate. Let's go to the law again. I started there and I've been jumping around, but um, did you? And I probably we've probably talked about this as well, but I just, just get a get a sort of clear sense of you and the fame thing. Did you part of you miss going from? household name and face, and I appreciate what you're saying about with the golden oldies and the rugby and so on, you're still a well-known Kiwi, so I'm not suggesting you're not, um, but to kind of, you know, if I think of law, I, I would never go back to law personally, I haven't done it seven or eight years, it's grinding hard technical work. Um, yeah, what was the... What was going on for you and your psychology around that? Did you start getting pissed off being a lawyer or um, or did you find that you actually really enjoyed that, um, to use my word, grind? I, I was very passionate about um, uh, treaty and Māori issues. That's what, that was my reason. Uh, that was my passion behind uh, going to law school. So I got, I got heavily involved with mm-hmm. the... Um, with Tarako Tere, which was the law, Māori law faculty at Auckland University, and uh, you probably know mm-hmm. as well. And um, did you go to Auckland, or did you go? Yeah, absolutely. Oh, okay. I, and I feel like actually. So when would you have started law school? Oh, I started in '92. Uh, it was my law intermediate year, and then I went up to Shorties in '95, the beginning of, and then I came back and finished in in the early 2000s. So about 2002. No, I would have been 95 to 2000. Yeah, I was out um, law clerking and getting my, um, what do you call it, when you, oh. you you graduate and you do the bar thing and all yeah. of that. That was two, that was early 2000, yeah. Yeah, so you would have been, you would have you would have started just as I left. But we were roughly around the same time, you're right. Um, sorry, to answer your question. So I was very passionate about that and I joined a firm that was dealing with treaty claim issues. And, um, and I say this with all due respect to my people, because I, I, I believe in the treaty claims, and I, I have, um, and I, and I believe that those the grievances need to be addressed uh, for better or for worse. So I'm not going to get into that. But I, but I went to my first hearing, and I, I was bored, um, because <laughs> yeah. I was bored because uh, you know it was a Waitangi tribunal um, hearing, uh, and it was uh, based in Aukuni and. 
And uh, there were, you know, dealing with a lot of iwis, uh, hapu and iwis around that area. But, I, you know, I found that, you know, there, there was no drama in the court because, you know, the, a lot of the stuff um, was, you know, uh, Māori airing their grievances, you know, so there wasn't really significant cross-examination. Uh, and there wasn't the drama that I had imagined <laughs> that you'd find yeah. on telly. Anyway, I got my first, this one guy in, in the family law team, a very good friend of mine, he's now a judge. He was partner and he said, do you want to try a family law matter? And I said, well, show me the show me the file and I'll have a look at it. <clears throat> he says, well, look, have a look at this. If you like it, then we'll, 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 we'll go to, come to the hearing with me and I'll, I'll take you in there and we'll see if you like it. And, I, you know, I loved it uh, because it was dealing with people. Uh, I don't want to trivialize the matter. It is a funny story, the fact situation, but I, I think it would be inappropriate to, to probably to probably to pre joke about it. But it was there were some funny moments in there because it was real. And 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 I like I like the fact that it was real. Uh, the, 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 the parties were emotional. The lawyers yes. also, they because um, they were dealing with the situation, also having to be objective, but at the same time looking after themselves by potentially behind the scenes with other counsel, you know, making light of it, but also being very um, serious about the situation when they go in because they have to be objective. And I just thought this is, this is, this is it. This is, this is the the drama that I, that I've been looking for if I'm going to practice law. And so, yeah, I've been doing it. And, and what do you reckon, Blair? And this comes from someone who was basically always a criminal uh, lawyer and a, and, a, and a jury trial lawyer. Yes. People perceive of family law as sort of touchy, fairly easy stuff. But I reckon it's one of, if not the hardest area of law, both emotionally, but even technically, it is difficult stuff. What do you reckon? Yeah, look, I, I often um, have colleagues with, you know, who are not a practicing family law saying that it's, you know, it's a, a basket weaving um, area of law. And I'm these are my Māori law colleagues. And I said, that's well, say that to me when your marriage breaks up. <laughs> so, yeah, but it, yeah. It's, it can be very technical. It is. It is nasty. It is nastier even than criminal law. Yeah. Oh, is my is my sense of it. Do, do people double take when they see you in the family group conference or the family court? They say, "Hey, what? He should be driving that ambulance or um at the quiz night." Uh, yeah, they do. Uh, they do, and it has got a little bit worse since I've been <laughs> I've been on Silver Treasure Island, but um right. But, they do, but then they get over it pretty quick because they're so immersed in their own um, their situation. But it does yes. happen. The, the funniest one yes. was when I was um, questioning uh, father on, on, on particular issues relating to the matter. And then afterwards, <laughs> he came up to me and he goes, oh, um, do you mind if, you, if I get a photo with you and my girlfriend? <laughs> and I said, hey, man, I, I'm pretty sure my client might be happy with that. So um, I'm sorry yes. about that one. But, yeah, it would happen. Uh, in fact... It happened a lot earlier on. I remember um, I was in the Waitakere court and people were banging on the court and the judge had no idea. He was an old school judge who I was. And, and then they told him and he, he, he told me to make sure that never happens again. And I said, I looked at him, I said, how can I do that? Yeah, <laughs> gosh. I'm going to be yeah. smart. But like, yeah, it does happen. You know, it's still, it's still there. It's still present. Um, uh, and now that I'm practicing, you know, um, in Whangarei, it's probably happening a bit more. Um, you know, yes, because right. they don't they don't right. get a lot of um, they don't they don't get a lot. <laughs> they don't get a lot of famous dudes and dudettes coming through. You reckon? Well, not, not as many. many. No. And you're doing um, 
care of children, work, guardianship, relationship, property, domestic violence, yep. uh, paternity, adoption, SIFS work, uh, and as you say, a bit of Māori land court uh, work, I believe, as well. Um, what, what are you... Uh, what are you, and you can kind of answer this one too, but what do you, what do you really like about it and what don't you like? The, the reason what, the reason why I love, well, I would say love, but the reason why I'm passionate about family law is probably, I like the, the concept of the, um, the children being paramount. And if I can give clarity um, to parents regarding um, uh, what is in the welfare and best interest of their children, that's, that's, that's important to me. Um, and so that's what I enjoy about it. I enjoy, um, I enjoy the litigation side of it. I'm not going to lie. Um, you know, I have created a little bit of a character for myself when I yep. get in front of the judge. Um, yes. and that, that came out of a couple of years of being very nervous, to be honest with you, Simon. I, I, in the first couple of years, I, I was, I thought about quitting. And the reason for that is because, um, I was all over the place because I was too worried about what everyone thought, the other lawyers thought, um, the consequence for my client, looking at, I mean, you, you probably remember this as well when you're a junior, or you probably don't because you're way more confident than me, but what I what I learned was that it was okay to make a mistake and come back, that it was okay to say, look, I don't know, but I'll come back to you on that. And also to just refocusing on um, what my client was looking for in line with the law, it kind of changed everything. And I saw a couple of senior lawyers the way they handled things. And I thought, oh, that's the, I really like that. So um, it, it got better for me. But the first two years were, were awful. I was going to senior lawyers going, oh, look, I, you know, I, I thought I was an actor, but this is this is a whole different story, man. I'm, you know, I'm getting, <laughs> getting killed up there. Yes. And um, it yes. took a while. But now I, I, I really thoroughly enjoy litigation, particularly the care of children, oranga tamariki, Family violence matter. They're, they're often when you go into court, they're very much like um, improv theatre. So you've got your facts, you know, you've got your yes. questions ready, you're ready to go, but then it can just go a completely different way because the judge has got a different view. Well, the client, the clients take you a different way, and and you're sitting there going, well, hang on, what, what happened? What happened here? Relationship property is a little bit different. Um, it's a different way of thinking. It's a lot more linear, I think, a lot more black and white. And I did quite a few hearings, relationship property to begin with, actually. Fantastic. I, I um. I identify with what you're saying very strongly. I mean, I, I think those first years in law, particularly, well, in court work are very fraught. Mm. Um, there's a bit of a grey hair thing in, in law that when you get a bit older, they they give you more leeway, the judges. And and I certainly, um, you know, I can recall a couple of years of being very nervous of sort of standing up and saying, Matt, please, Your Honour, um, I, I, I request an adjournment by consent of all the parties. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, it's, uh, so, I no, I, I absolutely identify with, with all of what you've saying yeah. um and and you know a case is important to those parties mm. particularly in a family law law case i'm not asking you for details but what would you sort of say you sit there and say you know it's the hardest cases i've done they're kind of it's been this sort of thing these are the ones that really i, I find it hard to sleep at night having done that case or you know as i'm doing that case one thing i said to myself someone before i practiced family law because i've been told it was hard emotionally is that i thought if i um, am I, if I'm bringing this back into my home and I'm, I can't handle it, then I'm, I'm, I'm going to leave. I'm not going to, uh, I'm not going to continue on. I felt that wasn't the case. That wasn't an issue for me. Um, but and maybe that might be the acting background, but I, I, I didn't mind emotion. So I, and I didn't, I didn't mind people expressing emotion. 
it, it, for me, I kind of understood it. And I, and I was sitting there going, okay, all right. Uh, a client's, a male client is getting angry and really losing his shirt. But um, that's him because he's hurt, right? So I get it. Um, and so I, I didn't really find the emotional sign of it hard. I found, um, I I'll, look, I'll be up front. I, the, the, the hardest part for me, uh, so the actual, sorry, getting back to your question, the actual matters itself don't uh, kind of phase me. There's the odd one that jumps out and I go, geez, that, that, those fact situations, they're pretty rough. But, but I, they don't um, affect me. If that makes sense, that might make me sound like an emotionless human being, but it's not that. It's that's more that I'm not I, I'm not really afraid of emotion. If that makes sense. So, mm. but I think law does that to you, actually. It does. It does also too desensitize yeah. you a little bit. But I tell you what, I found really difficult when COVID hit in 2020, as we all know. When level three hit in Auckland, I'm not kidding you. My phone did not stop. It did not. And it did mm. not stop for many lawyers. <clears throat> and of course, there's you know there's a shortage of, of particularly legal aid lawyers. And I remember one time sitting there and I, and I said to one of my colleagues, watch this, and my phone just did not stop. And it, it wasn't so much the matters um, individually, it was the amount of work that was coming through and having to, and it got to a point where I, th I actually did take a break last year. I mean, there, there was also mum and dad as well, and I was, you know, kind of sorting out, but, but I needed a break because I had taken on too much. Hey, um, l let me ask you this, Blair. Yeah. You said back in 2011, I think it was, when I first started out as a young fella, acting was my passion and it still is, otherwise I wouldn't do it. But Laura's kind of grown on me and it's like a girlfriend <laughs> that I realise slowly I really do love. Are, are you, I mean, are you an actor who does law or a lawyer who does acting no, these I days? I think it's the, um, I, I think I'm a lawyer more these days who does acting. Yeah, I, I, I when it's particularly after I when I took my break, I, I realized I thought more like a lawyer than I do than I do an actor. I just don't have <clears throat> the um, blind drive for acting that I remember I used to have. And actually, and actually, on in that regard, because I tell you what, law is a funny old thing when it comes to politics, and politics is a little bit oh. like acting. I mean, law is too, right? And that, and that, I actually had to lose a bit of my legal way of thinking and doing things when I when I decided to sort of boot and all be in politics and kind of shake out a bit of the kind of, uh, dare I say it, um, you know, anal, pedantic, rational side of my, my thinking habits. Is law an impediment to being a good actor? Do you need to sort of shake it out of your brain when you're when you're on the stage? Or what, what, what do you reckon? Thinking back to what you said, I, I never thought you came across as uh, um, anal in any way, um, Simon, when you were, when you were in <laughs> politics. I actually thought you presented pretty well, actually. Thank yeah. you. Thank um, you. Sorry, back to your question. Well, let, let me give you an example of it. So, um, if I go, if I've got a gig, like particularly a play, um, because your play is more intense with TV stuff, it might you might be two or three days away doing some stuff and whatever. Um, unless you've got a core role, which I you know I mainly just do guesties now. But <clears throat> but if you're doing a play, um, if I go into that play, you've got to warm up, you've got to open yourself up, you know, look, break down the inhibitions. And I found find myself that I'm quite closed up. Then when I finish the play, <laughs> and I go back into court. You know, I walk into court and it's, may it please the court? <laughs> and, and you see the judge going, just pull it back. Pull it back, Mr. Strang. You've cleared another, another <laughs> play. So you, there is, um, yeah, there is, uh, because you've got to be objective in court. And even though, you you know, you you have your own style, 
um, you still got to be objective. So you, you're suppressing your emotions somewhat as opposed to the other side of it, which is a complete antithesis where you're letting yourself completely go. So you, you do have to transition. Yeah. I be, hey, now look, you, you're celebrity treasure Island. It's on mm. right now. You, you could have done a lot of celebrity TV over the years. They would have ro- ro- roped you into all manner of them. If you'd, if you'd sort of put yourself on the, the, the market for them, you haven't really. Um, why'd you do the celebrity treasure Island now and did you did you have to weigh it up? Was it a finely balanced thing, or did you just say, "Nah, look, I'm in"? Yeah, look, I did stay away from reality TV shows because I just didn't think that they were me, to be honest. And I, I was a bit nervous about putting myself out there in front of everyone, <laughs> as opposed to hiding behind a character. Not you know, and um, and being guided by that story. Uh, you know, I got asked. My agent rang me last year, uh, end of last year, and said. Um, Celebrity Treasure Island are interested in, in you. Do you. Are you interested in putting your name forward? And it was just a tentative thing. And I said, oh, I don't know. You know, and I, I think I was busy with stuff going on with, with you know, folks and whatever. And, you know, and, I, and he goes, well, look, we'll just put your name down. <laughs> I said, all right, put my name down. <laughs> anyway, I'd completely forgotten about it. <clears throat> and they said, it was around January, and they rang me and said, you wouldn't believe it, you got it. I said, I said you've got till like, uh, I think it was a Wednesday, you've got till Friday to let them know. And I said, I said, what? <laughs> and um, I, I just, I said, look, I can't give you the Friday, can you at least give me the weekend? And then I <clears throat> went and looked at myself in the mirror, and Christmas had been good to me, and I was looking about 93 kgs, too heavy. And I thought <laughs> to myself, this is going to be ugly as if I get on there. But I don't know, I just, just thought... Um, I, I, it was one of those things I thought, well, I'm 51 now, you know. Uh, I'm, I, I can't believe yeah, that, Blair. I am. And I thought, um, um, I just thought, why not? I, you know, I, 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 yeah, I just thought, on, why you not, w- you know. And and then when I said yes, <laughs> I was as nervous as hell um, uh, all the way leading up to it. First couple of days as well, first three, two or three days, in fact. Yeah, two or three days um, uh, into it, I was very nervous. And um, but you know, I'm 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 glad I've done it. <laughs> Does that sound like a question? <laughs> I am glad I've done it. I met some really cool people, and they looked after us fabulously. And we had a beautiful, you know, location. And um, yeah, but anyway, that's how it went. Well, you know, look, I, I can understand being nervous. You really put yourself out there with these um, things. Well, but- I'll tell you something. What I, what I was surprised about is that I watched the first episode and I realised I'd forgotten that the mics were on me. And I think there was a montage of me asking where the flipping <laughs> toilet was. And I, and, and, I, and, that, and I thought to myself, did I, did I worry about the toilet that much? And I, I thought maybe I did. Maybe I was worried about where the toilet was. But it looked like I might have some prostate issues. Do you know what I mean? Or, uh, right. <laughs> well, you are 51. From, that's right. But I, yeah, I, I get checked regularly and I'm all good. It just slows down a bit naturally, but we won't get into that. That's doing way too much information. Are you, are you, are you glad you've, you've been on? Are you glad you're doing it? Is has it, is it been a, um, a good fun, cathartic, whatever it is, process? Or do you look back and say, why did I do that? No, I'll, I'll look back on it with fond memories. Um, I had, uh, I'll look back on it as a, as a pleasing experience, you know, like an experience that I, um, I, I, I glad, I'm glad I had, really glad I had. And, I, and also, too, an, an achievement. So, um, 
you know, I surprised myself throughout it, to be honest. Are there characters that you you, you bonded with more than others or? I got on very well. well Nick Afar was my uh, bunk buddy. So he, we, I got on very well with him. Uh, and Miriam Smith I've known for a long time. We've done Shauna Street. We did Kaitanga to Twitch. Yeah, Miriam Smith, Mary Lambie, who I knew, phenomenal people, uh, Meg Alatini. You know, I made some new friends uh, with uh, James, who I thought was hilarious. And and Stephen Price, who I didn't know, but everyone all you know, everyone was in awe of. But he's a he was a Waipu lad. You know, he ran the uh, Four Square. Um, yes, yes, uh, yes. So we um, we had good conversations about that. So yeah. What is the What does the future hold for you, Blair? Is it Is it um, Blair, Blair Strang, um, FCJ Family Court judge in the future, or you know, um, uh, I don't know what. What 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 are you? What would you sort of? How do you see the next? Um, you're 51, so you've got another 49 years to go. What's What's in it? <laughs> I think the bench would be horrified if I put my application in, or they'd laugh. <laughs> um, I laugh after after a few wines. It's interesting you say that. I am currently enjoying um, practicing. I went back for a specific reason, mainly to support Maori fathers up here in Whangarei. So um, uh, that's that was part of my reason of coming back and you know giving them clarity and helping them to get through things in terms mm. of the care. But in terms of going forward, I'll tell you what. Um, I, what what I really enjoy and what I've been more passionate about is I have a little production company which I put on mm. pl- plays, and uh, I put a uh, on a play up here, um, in Waipu. It was called Penalties, Pints, and Pirouettes, and it, it, it went off. We had about uh, a ninety percent ninety percent hit rate. I love directing, so um, I found that um, I'm enjoying that more in terms of sharing my knowledge uh, in terms of. Uh, creating a story and helping actors, you know, be a part of the process and and putting on shows for people who want to come watch it. You know, it's fun. Amazing. I mean, that it sounds very um, worthwhile, enjoyable, satisfying, and dare I say, noble endeavour. Look, I've got to finish. I've got to finish on the, the questions we always ask uh, our guests. Um, general knowledge. Um, if, if you could be somebody else for a day, who would it be? Big fan of Elvis Presley. Maybe Elvis Presley when he was singing the, the Elvis in live in Hawaii concert. Which well, I was going to say, as long as it was in his heyday and not in the sort of the, no. the deep fried Mars yeah. bars and peanut butter sandwich yeah. sort of days. Yeah. Well, that or the Prime Minister of New Zealand for the day. What do you reckon? Oh, look, I, I'd go Elvis. I'd go Elvis. How good would that be? I'll take your advice, Simon. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so Elvis, uh, yeah, maybe Elvis for a day to see what it was I, like. I could see you playing him. I could, could you? see. You, oh. I'd see that, that. Those swarthy good looks. Oh, there you go. Yeah, maybe when he was in Hawaii because I didn't, you know, I'm brown and all that. Absolutely. What's your most embarrassing moment? Can you think of one? I was in Pirates of Penzance and I, I was playing Frederick and I had to do a jump. They put us in these terribly tight pants. And I did a jump, my pants split. So I'll go with that one. How's that? That was fair enough. Now, if money was no object, what are the first three things you'd buy? You know, I was thinking about that the other day, actually, because I was in the viaduct and I thought I might, I would like to buy one of those boats. I know it's very, (laughs) I thought they looked so nice. You know, I'm not even very materialistic, but I'd buy that. I think the first thing I'd buy is I'd buy one of those. And then some, and then you'd need, you'd need a lot of money to pay for the petrol probably to be fair or the diesel. That's right. Yeah. I'm not giving you very exciting answers. No, no, no. I I could, I I could see you on that, that large, you know, um, billionaires launch with, you know, with, with, uh, singing Elvis Presley. That's the one. Very good. Um, 
Which famous actor would play you in the movie of your life? A younger version of Erica Strata. <laughs> nice. <laughs> nice. <laughs> What's the strangest yeah. tradition in your family? Anything spring um, to mind? I find this a ridiculous question because uh, the strange ones you probably don't realise are strange. That's the nature of families. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I can tell you that's probably the easiest one to answer, believe it or right. not. Um, yeah, so uh, my family is pretty politically divided. <laughs> I've got a I've got a mother who's very staunch national farming background, and my dad is uh, Labour, West Coaster. He's a Scottish right. Man. So so um, elections always big for us, and. Um, we, we bring in um, sausage rolls and beers and stuff like that and mum walks in after we've all voted and she turns to turns to us all and, you know, when I say it's all the family and says, your father has voted for a no-class party again. And then, and then, and then dad says, if the Tories get in, I'm going to be, I'm going to be, I'm going to be reduced to depression for the next three years. <laughs> then the election is over and... Um, I put on Abba and Elvis, and they're up dancing and having a wonderful time. Fit. So the, that's our that's our family. Fantastic. You know what? It doesn't sound that different to my family in a funny sort of way <laughs> growing up. Um, dairy farming daughter, mother, um, mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, she was just absolutely unthinkingly national. And father, to be fair, he wasn't exactly Labour. He was more a uh, swing boater. So, no, I understand the sentiment. Um, you understand. If yeah. you could choose to stop ageing at any age, and we know you're a strapping 51-year-old, <laughs> what, what age would you choose? I don't mind getting old, to be honest. Uh, uh, it's I, I, It's fine. Like, I mean, it's... I mean, you know, of course everyone does. I'm probably um, not telling the complete truth, but um, yeah, I mean, about now would be all right. <laughs> yep, yep. No, yep. prime of life. Aging, <laughs> yeah, aging, aging boy band rocker. That's the one. <laughs> who, but who could still play Elvis in, uh, in Hawaii? Um, <laughs> hey, Blair, it's been an absolute pleasure. You've been in uh, Waipu. I've been here in... Uh, uh, central Auckland uh, but we had a great chat I really appreciate your time thank you so much ladies and gentlemen you've been listening to Generally Famous a Stuff podcast there's a new episode every Wednesday you can listen to them all at stuff.co.nz slash generally famous or wherever you get your podcasts in fact if you follow us on Apple or Spotify any of the podcast apps you'll get the latest episode automatically downloaded sounds good right Thanks to my producers, Chris Reed and Jen Black, and audio editor John Ropiha. I'm Simon Bridges. I really appreciate you listening. If you liked listening to this pod, help us make more like this. Visit stuff.co.nz slash support. I think you're conflating a whole bunch of issues. I don't want to be held to account well, no, on I, I, rising child no, abuse numbers. You can manipulate crime statistics. I, I promised I wouldn't have a tag to you about gotcha journalism. Hang into the National Party's no, tagline there. No, that, I what, think Chris, that it would be a resignation offence if I didn't deliver tax reduction. Yeah, yeah I'm not worried about it at all. Actually, Nothing if in there. That sits with you perfectly fine. That's what, we're, that's what we're focused on. Whatever happens in politics, the weird, the wonderful, the important, the thought-provoking, we got you. Listen to Tova wherever you get your podcasts.